while you're looking for Genesis 11. Father, I desire that you be honored this morning at the preaching of the word. That your mind would be established here today. Are you of my spirit to you, Lord? That you would place within me that word that we all need to hear this morning. I pray it would stir the church to become the church that you're building in this hour. Let it be a mighty army, Lord. Now help me to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 11, verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language, one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, go and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, go, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto the heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord says, behold, the people is one. And they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one's, one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad and thence upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the whole earth. If you notice there, the Lord came down to see what they were doing. Now, can you imagine it? Something was taking place that God that got God's attention, that had caused him to leave heaven to come down to take a look at this thing. It was something amazing because he said there, behold, in verse 6, behold, the people is one. And then he said, there's nothing that can stop them from getting done what they're planning to do. Nothing because they was united in their purpose. They kept themselves focused on what needed to be done. And the Lord recognized, when you say behold, he says, you're about to see something that's very rare. It's very precious. Anytime he uses that word behold, it's like we would say, get a load of that. Wow. See, he's saying, I want you to get a load of this thing. You're not going to see it very often. One person said, it's a wonder seldom seen. It got God's attention to come down and take a good look at it. And he's seen that they would accomplish what they were doing, so he had to divide them. So he divided their language so they couldn't communicate one to another to get this tower built. I believe they was building it because they had experience, not they, but there was that experience where only Noah and the family was saved, and the whole earth was covered with the flood. So 
I believe what they was, one of the things they was attempting to do was to build the tower that would be higher than the waters, that they could outmaneuver God. <laughs> oh, man, man, man. Now, we need to get the revelation that's needed here. When God says, behold, there's something precious, something rare, we need to get a hold of this thing. The church needs to get a hold of it because Satan already got a hold of it. Oh, yeah. When God did that, it disrupted all of his plans. And he used what God did to him. Now he uses it to divide the body of Christ, to divide families, to bring division anywhere where God is doing something. We must get aware of that. We must see how great, how precious this unity is to God. The enemy has taken hold of it, and he is doing everything in his power to keep us from it. Even Jesus spoke these words, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. That's the word of the Lord. Satan knows it. Satan uses it. We need to be aware of it. The Lord gave a word to our congregation here several months ago, and he said we were to pray that there would be unity in the leadership, praise and worship teams, and in the families. How many remember that? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. How many are still doing it? I mean, we need to look at it ourselves. I'm trying to get us to focus on where we are, what our condition is. He said pray for the leaders because he knows if the enemy smites the shepherds, the sheep will scatter. He said pray for the praise and worship team that they would always stay in unity because if they divide, then what God wants to do through them will not be established because we know that through praise and worship, deliverance can be released. We've seen it with David and Saul. When Saul was oppressed and depressed by the enemy, he called for David to praise God on his harp, and when he praised God on the harp, the evil powers had to flee. That's why it's so important to praise for the, pray for the praise and worship team and that we enter in with them to bring in the presence of God into the sanctuary. For when God comes into the sanctuary, enemy can't stay. <laughs> Trying to get the congregation, and I hope some way to the church, that we see the power of unity against the powers of hell. Satan learned these, these things from God himself, how to divide the church. Jesus said it's a precious thing. It's a rare thing. It's something that needs to be guarded. Ephesians 4.3, we are to endeavor to keep. When it says keep, it means endeavoring to guard. It's the same word used in the garden of Eden when he told Adam to keep the garden. 
to guard it, endeavoring to keep, to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4.3. So that tells us it's so precious that I personally must watch over myself, that I don't allow anything to come in to my spirit and through me that would cause a division in the body of Christ. I must watch over my mouth, my tongue. When people want to gossip, say, no, not here, not here. I'm not going to be an instrument of the enemy to divide the church of Jesus Christ. I don't care if you like the music, you don't talk against the music. I don't care if you don't like the sermon, keep it to yourself. Tell God to get a better preacher. We don't open our mouths against what God's doing. Unity is so precious that God came down to look at it, and he said, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. He held that behold again, that word behold. He held it up again. This is something rare. The church needs to see it. We need to guard it because through unity, God can do great things. Nothing can restrain the church if they stay united. Nothing. That's what he said. We need to get that revelation that he put there. Stand together in the power of God. He said it's a precious ointment. When he said it's a precious ointment, it's an ointment of the Holy Spirit that come upon the body of Christ. It's the unity of the Spirit. When we came to Christ, every one of us are united in Christ. There is that unity of the Spirit. We must keep it. Let nobody divide it. If somebody wants to gossip, you tell them, hey, watch your mouth. Don't be an instrument of Satan wanting to divide the church. I mean, you're gonna, we're going to have to get bold in this hour. There's too much going on right now. Too much going on. The enemy is out there in full force. We cannot play church any longer. It's time to rise up and be the church, the church that the Lord is building. And even that prophecy when he told us to, to pray for unity and the leadership and the praise and worship and the families, he also told Timothy, when you're given a prophecy, you're to war with it. We're to war with prophecy. It's a weapon. When God speaks, that means we all listen and we all respond. If he said you need to be praying and fasting, that's not just for a handful of people. That's the congregation. That's not a just time to say, yes, Lord, clap and go your way like you never heard it. It's time that we all respond to it. And if it's praying and fasting he wants, then it's necessary because the enemy is about to do something. So we must be ready in our spirit, man, to respond. Somebody ought to say amen. You know, nothing can stop us if we're saying and doing the same thing that God wants. Nothing. The enemy can throw everything he has at us. Nothing can stop us. But if we divide, he can take the church and dissolve it down to a handful of people. I've seen it happen. I'm not, I'm not speaking like I don't know anything. I've seen it happen to me as a pastor. I've seen it happen. We was flying high over in Israel, doing a mighty work in Israel, seeing people getting saved, delivered, come back rejoicing and everything. And with a short period of time, that all went away. 
the church divided because of a few people who wanted something other than what leadership wanted. I'm trying to get across to us all how important it is to stay united and don't let anything divide us. In Deuteronomy 32.30, we see some of the power in unity. It says one warrior can put a thousand to flight. One. That's what he's saying in that. That's in the natural. One warrior in the natural can put a thousand to flight with God with us, fighting for us and with us. One, that's what he said. So then when you bring another one in to do the warring, now you have two. Now it increases by the power of 10. Now two puts 10,000 to flight. Right? Three, 100,000 to flight. Four, a million to flight. What I'm trying to get you to see is the more we get united and the more we seek God and do what he's saying to do, our authority and our power in God increases to that place the enemy cannot resist. That we become as a weapon of mass destruction in the hands of God. That when we start to speak the word of God, we release power in the spirit. You may not see it right away, but when God speaks something and tells you to put it in your mouth, he intends for something to happen when you put it in your mouth. And it does. You may not see it right now, but there's a war going on in the spirit. Just like when Daniel prayed and didn't see it for three weeks, and it was revealed to him. He was heard the first time he opened his mouth, but there was a war going on in the heavenlies, trying to keep it from happening. But the more he stayed with it, God brought extra help, got him through, and the word came. That's why we stay warring. We stay doing what God wants us to do. There's power in what God tells us. Over in Ezekiel chapter 37, I'll read some verses there to show you what God is after, especially with us. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Some of us, you know, that, he was talking about Israel at the time. Uh, they was almost all destroyed, especially when Hitler was on the scene. And I can just see it as those bones being scattered that they took out of the furnaces. I stood there in front of those furnaces. I know what it's like. I looked at it, and it was hard for me to understand how anybody can do what they did. I stood in that room. I looked up, and you could see the hole where they dropped the canisters down. And I stood right there with it, dropping down. And then over here, they had the empty canisters that they used. You could see the very canisters that were used. And believe me, it does the job on you when you see stuff like that, how evil people can be. And believe me, we're starting to see some right now. We're starting to see that evil starting to come up. And you know what surprised me? Don't get me wrong. I don't understand the Jewish people in government. 
that they let the people in their own party speak against the Jews. I don't understand that. They'll say never again, but yet they'll let them. I got to watch myself. Oh, I, I got to watch myself. They let a handful of rookies come into government. They shoot off their big mouth and they're controlling everything. And nobody wants to speak out against them. It's terrible. That's why I'm so, well, I don't know what to say, maybe aggressive in trying to get these things out so the body of Christ comes alive. I'm not going to read all of that. I did before, but what he told the prophet was the prophesied of those bones. That was Israel. Now, we know the church. I mean, if you look at the whole church, it's scattered. It's scattered going in many different directions, and it's dry. I've been in churches I wanted to run out of them. I didn't want to embarrass the preacher, so I stayed. I mean, they're so dry, so old. I, I mean, there's nothing fresh, no water, no, no river of life. Some of them are ordaining homosexuals. Come on. They're lifting it up. How can, how can that be effective in any way when we are just as bad as the world doing the same thing? So he's prophesying to the bones, and that's, that's how I feel today. I want to I prophesy to the church, whether they're here or not somehow, prophesy to the church that they need to come together and be what God wants them to be. If, you're, if they're in a dead church, they need to get out of the dead church and go where the life of God is. And I want to read uh, the last verse that I want to focus on, and that is uh, 10. He was also told to prophesy to the wind up above there. First he prophesied to the bones, then he prophesied to the wind to bring life back into the church. That's what we need. We need a Holy Ghost revival right now, a Holy Ghost revival. Even several months ago as I was waking from my sleep, I heard by the Spirit of God down inside of me, I am sending the wind that will bring in the harvest. Just like the wind was sent at the day of Pentecost when the church was, was uh, established, now it's coming into maturity. Now it's going to bring in the end-time harvest. I'm sending the wind. The wind of the Spirit is being released now into the church, and from that wind there's going to be a a mighty effort by the church to bring in the end-time harvest. You're going to be a part of it, Brother Charles, over there in Africa. The Lord's going to give you many souls. You're going to see the power of God move through you. Expect it. I mean, right now, in the name of Jesus, expect the power of God to come upon you when you open your mouth. Let me get back to where I was. Last verse, verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, and here's the part. All of this was for this purpose, the prophesying to the bones, the prophesying to the wind. What was God after? He was after an exceeding great army, an army, not a bunch of potter puffs. Excuse me, I, I tend to go off a little bit. 
He's after an army, an army that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Isn't that what he's saying? A united, mighty army. We've been on the defense too long. Too long. You will never win a war fighting a defensive war. You'll never win a war. Sometimes you just got to make a preemptive strike. You got to crush the enemy. When you know he's up to something, you've got to have the attitude of a warrior. This means war. We don't stand around and complain about what the enemy's doing. You just give it more power. You don't talk about what he's doing, but ask God, what do you want to do in the midst of this? How are we going to bring that down? Because he is the commander of the army. He is the Lord of hosts. That's who he is. Joshua found that out when they crossed over into the promised land. The captain of the host came down and told Joshua, I'm here to get you through. It ain't that I'm here for you or I'm here for them. God sent me. I'm here on kingdom purpose. I'm getting you into the promised land. You follow me. And this is where we got to get in this hour. Recognize that Jesus is leading his church into warfare. We must seek the Lord. It says in Joel 2.11, I believe it is, that he utters his voice before his army. And those that execute his word are strong. Strong. Because it's his word in our mouth. And he is with us to fulfill that word. He hastens the performance. But we must get that warrior's attitude. We say he's for us. Who can be against us? That is the truth. He is for us. And just get a hold of that scripture. If he's for us, who can be against us? All this going on right now, if he's for us, who can be against us? You can have Bill Gates. You can have the liberals. You can have the news media. But if God be for us, who can be against us? I'm going to show unity. Lord tried to get us a revelation of this when he told us to pray. Where two or three of you, two or three, two or three are gathered together in my name for my purposes, there I am in the midst of them. Two or three. That's the power of unity. When we're here for God's purposes, he comes down to make sure that those purposes are fulfilled. Are you hearing it? You're really hearing it? We must have that attitude that we're not in this alone. That when he instructs us to do something, he is in it with us. And if you look, I don't have time to go into all this, write the scriptures down if I can find it now. Um, Jeremiah 51, 20 through 23, he says, he'll tell, he says, first of all, that we, we, the church now, are his battle axe. Uh, not an old battle axe. <laughs> I know somebody was thinking that out there. But we are his, the weapon in his hand to get 
the enemy defeated. And if you look at those scriptures, in those couple of scriptures, I think three scriptures, you will hear, you will see the words with us. The Lord with us, with us, with us, with us. What he's saying is, you're not in this alone. I am with you in this to get it done. He's with us. And he uses us to defeat the enemy. We've got to get a hold of that. All right. We've got to get like Shama, one of the mighty men of valor. He kept coming. The enemy kept coming and taking the goodies. And Israel kept fleeing. But Shama says, I had enough. You ain't getting my pea patch. Today I stand. If I have to fight alone, I'm going to stand here and defend what I have, what God gave me. The enemy is not taking it from me. We've got to have that kind of an attitude today. God gave us freedom in this country. The enemy wants to take it. We can sit here and complain, talk about what he's doing, or we can say enough's enough. I had enough of this garbage out there. It's time now to fight. If we continue to let them take our liberties, they'll continue to do it until somebody says stop. Well, it's about time when the church says stop. have to have that attitude. Now this means war. He sticks his ugly head up. This means war. It's no time for patty cake and all this other stuff. Come and get a happy meal and go home. No, no. We're not there now. That's gone. That's gone forever now. We're coming down to the wire. That's gone. Once the enemy takes a liberty from you, you don't get it back. Things change. It's never the same again. They came in and took, took out two of our big buildings with a, well, actually took out three, with airplanes. Is air travel the same today? No. No. Can you go shopping the same as you used to go shop? Can you go to church the same way you used to go to church? They're telling you how many can come to your church at any given time. You're under their control. I know I'm preaching good now. I'm not getting much of a response, but I know I'm preaching good. That's what's happening. They'll take as much as we will give them. They have gone beyond the Constitution. They don't care about the Constitution. All they want to do is put the people into fear. And once they got you into fear, they'll do anything you say just to get rid of this, they want to get back to normal, you mark it down. There will never be another normal. What you called normal before, you won't see it again. I know, if you want to stone me, go ahead. I don't care. I'm trying to tell you the truth. It's not going to be the same. But we can, we can start the fight now so it don't go any further. We've got to get the harvest in. We can't let these people dictate to us what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. We're either going to fight or we're going to lay down and let them walk all over us. Which way do you want to go? You want to fight? 
and want to fight. I'm not, just, I'm not just here to give you some hype and pump you up. No. I'm as serious as my two heart attacks. I am that serious. I am that serious. Back in September 2019, we celebrated Rosh Hashanah, which is the New Year's. It was the year 5780 in the Jewish calendar, 5780. It's our 2020. But with them, when it came to 80, the year 5780, a new decade came in. When the new decade came in, there was a uh, representative word um, in the alphabet, the alphabet of the Jewish um, language. And that letter was the letter Pei, P-E-Y. And the way that the letter was printed out, it looks like a mouth open. And so they called it 5780, the year of the mouth. Does Satan know it's the year of the mouth? He knows it's the year of the mouth. And he knows the power that can be released from this mouth. So he's muzzled the church like a bunch of dogs. I refused to go shopping there for a long time. I says, I'm not going to walk around like a muzzled dog. I know I'm going to make some people mad, but that's all right. That's how I feel. I see it like a prophetic act from the enemy. This is what I'm going to do to the church. I'm going to muzzle you. I can keep you from praising God. In California now, you can't sing in church. Don't look at me like I'm telling you something new. They cannot sing in church. What does that have to do with anything? I can take all the Black Lives Matter, uh, Antifa, all of them, gather them all together. They can scream and holler and do all they want, and they protect them. But don't you Christians, don't you get any closer than six feet apart. Don't you have more than half of your church at any given time. Doesn't that look terrible? Don't it look terrible? Maybe I'm a stranger, I don't know. But I hate like looking like a dog muzzle. In Psalm 81:10, the Lord says, "Open your mouth wide." It's the year of the mouth. The enemy knows it's the year of the mouth. He knows it's what God wants, and he says, "Open your mouth wide." and I will fill it. It's the year of the mouth. What are we going to do? Are we going to let him shut our mouth, or are we going to open our mouth in obedience to God? What are we going to do? It's better to obey God than man. If he can take the praise away, he takes the presence of God away. He takes the power of God away to deliver. 
if he can take the praise away, if he can keep your mouth shut, if he can keep you six feet apart, I can't lay hands on you to heal you. if I had real bad eyesight, I still could see this. It's all the enemy coming against the church. It's a twofold purpose, but I'm speaking about the church. He is afraid of the church. He's more afraid of the church than you are of him. He is. He's hoping and praying that a preacher like me doesn't get up here. wonder sometimes why I'm under such of an attack. It's because I'm opening my mouth and saying what you need to hear. We can either give in to the enemy or we can stand and fight. He said, open your mouth wide. Open your mouth wide in praise. Start asking big things of God. We serve a God that nothing's impossible with him, so why don't we open our mouth wide? Start asking big from God, not little. Start believing God for the impossibilities. When we start talking about the favor of God, I joke around with my wife sometimes. I says, we're magnetized. Blessings will overtake you. There's blessings running up to try to find me. We receive blessings from the strangest places. I had somebody come knock on my door just the other day. I have this 40-inch television set still in the box. He says, I need the box. You want the television? television I had, I can't even remember what year, I got it from my son. It takes, a, it takes a mule and a horse to pick it up. But there was a knock on the door. I need the box, he says. How about you taking the television? He said, I got two. I, I, I don't need it. So I got me a new 40-inch television set. There are times we open a mailbox. This is not every day, but open a mailbox and find checks in there from people. We so why are they doing this? I hardly even know them anymore. They're back in another state somewhere. And you see them every once in a while, and then all of a sudden the mailman comes and there's the check in there. I say, what? I said, we're magnetized, woman. We're magnetized. The blessings of God will overtake you. That's scripture. They'll over, they're looking for you. Okay, get back where you're supposed to be. Okay. I, I was diverted. Okay. Open your mouth wide. Speak the things of God. The word of God has got to be in our mouth in this hour. We, we can't keep ourselves muzzled. I'm talking about spiritual things now. 
We've got to pray big. We've got to praise big. Open your mouth wide. High praises of God in your mouth. A two-edged sword in your hand. Come on. This is where we're at right now. This is the time. Not another time down the road. Today. This day. Today. We're to have the warrior's attitude. We're at war, and the enemy is attacking mightily. We can just sit back and let him do his thing, but we as the church of Jesus Christ must rise up and fight the battle. We can sing louder, or we can sing softer, or we can be muzzled. It's up to us. Did you know there's an armory in heaven also? If you don't believe me, it's in Jeremiah 50, 25. There's an armory. And the Lord has many weapons. There's the blood of Jesus. And he gave us. Now, now think about this. He gave us that weapon not too long ago. He gave it to us before you even heard on the news about the coronavirus. You see, some of you don't even remember that, but he did. Before it even came out like it is today, he told us that we were to plead the blood of Jesus over our homes so that no plague comes nigh us. He was talking about the plague before the plague came into the news. He warned us and told us how to fight this coronavirus. Plead the blood of Jesus just like they put the blood over the doorpost at the first Passover. We pleaded with our Mouth, open it wide. I believe it's Psalm 91.10. None of this evil is going to befall you, and no plague will come nigh thy dwelling place. We can speak fear, or we can speak the word of God, the power of God. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony about that blood. My God, these are weapons. God has angels. He sent one angel and defeated 185,000 of the enemy coming against Israel. One angel. One angel. He sent fire and brimstone and destroyed a city. He sent hail and, and took out more of the enemy with the hail than, than Israel did with their swords. He's a... He has an army full of weapons, and he can pull one out at any given time and tell the church, use this, and if you use this, I'll defeat the enemy with that, with you. That's God. Okay, I'll quit. Okay, thank you. When Israel crossed over into the promised land, what faced them? What was the first thing that faced them at Jericho? Come on, scholars, talk back to me. What did they have to look at when they crossed over? What did they see at Jericho? Say it loud. A wall. Okay. A wall. Looking at that wall, it was impossible. The, the way that wall was, it was impossible in the natural to get through it. Right? We agree? Right. So what was the strategy of God, our commander? What was his strategy to get him the victory? For six days, each day, go around it once. You have the priest sounding the trumpet. 
You keep your mouth shut while we go. Just let him sound the trumpet. Beep, 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 beep. Once, go home, go to bed. Get up next day. Beep, 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 beep. Six days. He said, then on the seventh day, you go around it seven times. Beep, 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 beep. Don't open your mouth yet. But when you finish the seventh round, I want you to give out a shout like you've never shouted before. And on the seventh time, priest stopped, looked at the wall, and a shout rang out. And just a shout now. A loud shout rang out, and the wall fell flat. So we see from that a shout of faith. When God says do it, it releases enough power to remove a wall so that we can go in and obtain what God has for us. God placed this church in New York. Obadiah 7, 17, there's only one chapter, 17th verse, said that they were to possess their possessions. Wherever you go, possess your possessions. God put us here. This is what we're to possess. That word possess means to occupy. Uh, I better read it. Let me find it. I got to say it the way it's supposed to be. To drive out the previous tenants. We occupy by driving them out. All right? We're here in New York, and everywhere the, the sole of your feet tread, I'm giving it to you. It's yours. New York is ours, whether you believe it or not. We don't, we're not possessing it, but it's ours. Do you believe me? Boy, that was Do you believe me? Still waiting. I can only preach it. That's all I can do is preach it. New York is ours. If we'll drive the enemy out. If we'll drive the enemy out. Or we can continue to complain, let him muzzle us, let him keep us six feet apart, shut your mouth, be nice little Christians, go home, put your mask on. Go to bed. I'll tell you what to do tomorrow. They'll control you as long as you let them control you. Did you ever wonder what Bill Gates knows about medicine? But yet he's telling you what you should do. I, I better not go there. I may get you more matter than what you already are. Open your mouth wide. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, we have it down pat. Clap your hands. We got that down pat. We got it good. But the scripture says in Psalm 20, uh, 47 and 1, it says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. See, we got this good. Now, we need to get the shout just as good as we got the clap.
Now let me get back to my wall. I know I don't like to preach about politics. If we're going to possess this land, New York State, we've got to get rid of the wall. There is a blue wall that's been erected in this state by the devil. It's a political blue wall. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. There is a political blue wall in the state of New York that the enemy has established here because he wants it for the abortion. I know I'm preaching good. But if we're going to bring all this stuff to an end, that kind of stuff to an end, then we've got to penetrate that blue wall. We have to penetrate it. Or they'll continue to keep it, and they'll continue to tell you what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. We've got the war, and we've got the vote. 25 million Christians did not vote last year in this country. I mean, in 16. 25 million Christians did not vote. And there had to be Christians that did vote, vote for the blue wall. Now, how can we win a war like that? I'm preaching like it's my last time. When you're 81 years old, you've got to preach like it's your last time. You've got to hit and run now. But if we will unite, I believe we'll see some kind of a change in November. I don't know how many's running. I have one in the back of my mind that I'm, I'm focused on. I, I ain't going to tell you who it is. But he's been in govern, government for about 43 years. You think about it, you'll know who it is. But I want to see him just bounced. Come on. We've got to win New York back. It's ours. It's our possession. It belongs to the church, not to the devil. Even when I was telling you about Rosh Hashanah, the biblical name for that time is uh, Yom Teruah, which means a time of blasting and shouting. A time of blasting and shouting. The blasting of the trumpet. Lift your mouth up like a trumpet. Lift your voice up like a trumpet. Shout unto God. It's a time of shouting and blasting. Scripture says God has gone up with a shout. Does it say that? God has gone up with a shout. How is he coming back? There's going to be a shout, a blasting of the trumpet. Come on. And a shout of the archangel. He's coming back, trumpets blowing, and a shout, a shout of victory is going to be sounded. It's going to blow the earth up where bodies are going to come up out of the grave. Whoa, God, my, oh, I feel this thing. That shout's going to cause the earth to split. Graves are going to open. People shooting out like rockets. Oh, yeah, we, you know, I don't think some people even believe it. But it's going to happen. Are we going to be one of them rocket ships? Come on. 
It's time now to start shouting unto God. Time now. Let God go up with a shout. Come on. We start shouting, God goes up and fights. Lord Jesus, I did what I could do. Now it's your turn. By the Holy Ghost, bring this truth to life in every one of us that we would see the importance of coming together and destroying the works of the enemy till we possess our possession. And I declare the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. In Jesus' name, amen.